So we've got a session we're going to do tonight. So um, looking around the room, we've got some repeat visitors. We've got some some new uh, faces for School of the Spirit. So by way of just making clarification, School of the Spirit, the goal for School of the Spirit is to provide an opportunity for uh, some kind of teaching environment, um, but very practical, and that leads to what I would hope would be what I call activation, which is you leaving here with some kind of practical experience that comes from what we've talked about. Um, and and what I've got for you tonight is uh, worksheets for us to work through in three different parts. We'll see how we progress tonight, but here's what um, I'll set up the expectation for tonight and then I'll explain what those three parts are. So what I want to do tonight is I want to do uh, a session that I've called The Bible Comes Alive. And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to, uh, first and foremost, just discuss a couple of things around reading the scriptures, um, because obviously uh, reading scriptures is a good thing to do as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Um, Then how do we get something out of that? You know, often people say to me, well, reading the Bible is so boring, or I just don't connect, or um, it's hard to do because I've got no motivation. All these sorts of things are very common for people to experience. And I must say, even at different seasons of my devotional life, occasionally I'm like, oh, I need some fresh insight. So what I'm going to do today, tonight, is I'm going to explain a little bit about reading the Bible, and then I'm going to explain some simple um, steps that you could apply personally, either with by yourself or with uh, in a group, to dig into what the Bible might be saying to you in this moment. So um, most of the people looking around here are well mature in their faith and or years. Um, so I'm sure many of you have experienced. You can choose what that means. All right, you just apply that as you need to. But I'm sure that you've experienced that time where you read, you read a, a, a verse in the Bible and suddenly you go, oh my goodness, wow, how did I not see that before? You know, that's the Spirit of God working in partnership with the Word of God in order that you would receive what I call a revelation. And a revelation is simply something fresh that God desires to share with you in that moment. What I'm hoping comes out of tonight is that you would find it easier to have those moments of revelation. And the goal is not just knowledge for the sake of knowledge, because that's actually not helpful. The goal is knowledge for the sake of your connection with God through his word. Okay, and that, and that happens in different ways for different people. But what I'm hoping out of tonight that you would get out of it is that you would go away going, you know what, I can look at things a little differently or I've got a couple of tools in my toolbox that I can now um, have a go at in order that my personal devotional life with the Word of God is enhanced. That's my goal for tonight. So I'm going to pray and then we've got some handouts for you and we're going to um, have a look at them. Let me pray. Almighty God, we commit this time uh, as uh, a time of worship, really, consecrated in order that we would come before you and worship you with our focus. 
God, I ask that as your Holy Spirit ministers amongst us tonight, that each person that is here receives something fresh from you. Uh, It might be encouragement, it might be inspiration from the text that we look at, it might be uh, a toolbox or some tools to take away. God, I pray that as we work together, there would be a a connection, a synergy, a, a unification of us as family that would go well beyond tonight. That uh, those that we work with would become uh, more closely aligned with who we are and where we're going on our journey, God, because my desire is that we would be family. So Lord, bless this time and bless each one of these students that we have here tonight, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's get the handouts handed out. Take half of those. Okay, can you? One each? Yeah, yep, just one each is great. If I give those to there, and then we split those, something like that. That might. Um, we do have some pens. Oh. If you need a pen, please wave. Okay. So, as is always the case, do I, do I need to separate this table? Do you want me to send Marge to sit at that table? Okay. Okay. So, as is the case, these are your notes. Write whatever you want on them. Uh, fill them in. Take them away. Um, what you'll notice is we're going to we'll do the front page first. I'm going to talk to that, and you can write down whatever you like. On the second page, you'll notice that there are three verses. Well, you'll notice on the subsequent pages there are three verses we're going to look at, all from Ephesians chapter one. We're going to look at verse 17 together in a class environment like this. Then what's going to happen is you're going to look at verse 18 in your tables. And we're going to report back at intervals through that process so that we've got shared learning across the room. And I'm guessing by that stage we're going to run out of time. And so verse 19, which is the third one that I've done there, would be your homework um, in order that you could apply what you've learned Repeatedly, in order that you would begin to create what I call a discipline. Okay, so that's the process we're going to follow tonight. Um, as is the case in any, any moment, if you have a question, please just get my attention and we'll pause and, and work out if we can um, deal with that question or not. Um, and contribution is encouraged, so don't be shy to um, involve yourself in the process. What I wanted to do right at the beginning at the top of the page is I just wanted to um, help by drawing a picture on uh, what is quite commonly understood and how we would look at different translations of the Bible. I had this conversation with a few people this week um, and so it's quite timely that we are doing this first page. There are generally three different 
descriptions for the type of Bible that you might choose to read. And you can see those there on the um, page. There's what's called word for word. So the other, the other thing that you could say is that's a literal translation. So they are looking at the original text in the original language. So the Old Testament, who can tell me what language that was predominantly written in? In the Hebrew language, yep. And then the New Testament was written in predominantly in? Greek. Greek, that's correct. And so they literally look at each word, that's why it's called literal, and they translate it. So you might know of a translation called the King James Version. And or... I'll just put them side by side because it's easy. But the New King James Version, these are called word-for-word translations. Another Bible that is a word-for-word translation, and we're going to use this one tonight in our exercise, is the Amplified. One of my tutors used to say the Amplified is the female version because it has a lot more words included in it. (laughs) You can decide what that means for you. That's his phrase, not mine. Don't shoot the messenger. What we then have, and and this is really a spectrum, it's not science, we have a thought for thought. So this is about the idea. And so the translators, the group of people that are working on this preparation of the text, they're looking at, you know, when you do word for word, sometimes different languages, they do different orders for the way they construct their sentences or the way that they convey a thought. The Hebrew is very much based on pictures and imagery and, and, the, and the emotion of something, whereas the Greek were more linear thinkers. But that wasn't easy for them to get into English for us. And so translations like the NIV and the NLT are what's, and these are just two examples, of what's called thought for thought. And so they've not got the original language in the same order, but they've tried to remain true to the text by not adding, but merely conveying a thought to you. Okay? And then we have the the third group out here, which is referred to as paraphrase. And this is um, probably more like a perspective. I'm not sure if there's another word to use to describe that. Um, But a good example, some good examples are the Good News Translation, um, the Message, and the Passion. So they are a lot more, uh, some might say more flowery. There's lots of words added. Um, but these are not taking the text word for word or thought for thought, but they are still trying to convey the, the message of the text. But they're, they're actually um, described as paraphrased rather than translations. Okay. Now, it's my view that each one of these provides a message for us that we can receive from God. Just in the same way you could read a book written by uh, a Christian writer and suddenly have a revelation because of their perspective of who God is. So, So I'm not a proponent for any type of translation or text. I enjoy all of them and you're going to see that tonight. This is me personally. There are people who discover um... The NASB is one that I use for study. So the NASB is in here. That's NASB, we'll take the brackets away. 
And, and I quite enjoy reading that when I'm looking for a word-for-word translation from the original writers. All right, so, so I have one of these at home, and I enjoy reading it. I chose years ago, um, I chose personally the NLT as my devotion Bible, and that's the one that I have here that's wearing out. Um, and I really enjoy it. But it's quite similar in this pack- package here with others. Okay? Um, and then I have, I have copies of all of these at home that I've collected over the years that I enjoy reading. Okay, so what I'm trying to convey to you is that there are different translations and I would encourage you to actually read different translations. You might say, um, and you can get them these days through the Uversion app, either on your device or, or a website, but I'd encourage you not just to read it for a day, I would actually say if you wanted to, for instance, try the NASB, let's just pick that, I would say, why don't you read that for 30 days? Or you might read the book of Romans. I just read the book of Romans and the Passion as an entire book over a period of time. So what I'm saying is if you want to try something different, set yourself a target, either a book or a time frame, and just journey through it and see how you go. Also, on my data, you can actually like, put them side by side. So if you, if you want to like, almost trust the scripture a little bit more or learn how to trust it, you can view them side by side so that you can have your standard Bible and then try something else next to it. That's a good idea. We might do that tonight. Yeah, so we'll, we'll talk about that when we do the comparisons as part of the interpretation. But Ashley's saying you can actually use BibleGateway.com and you can have two versions or four versions on the screen at once. And as you scroll, it shows you where you're at and you can read them side by side. That is what you will do in your exercises. So it's a great exercise for you to do. Okay, so I wanted to talk about translations. Does anyone have any questions about that? Before we move on, what's your new one? The Passion. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's it's similar to style to the message. Um, you do have to be careful in this area here because there is some concern that the author has added to the original text. And that's where you've got to be cautioned. So I'm happy to read this, but I'm also comparing it to this, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But if I, if I could just say, my, my, my main goal in encouraging people to read the Bible is found in point number three, is we should always read the Bible to see God. Okay, and I've found that in these translations over here that are paraphrased and they're an individual's perspective, I've still been able to see God in the same way I have through books that I read. And I read a lot of books. Okay, so if I could say this, my encouragement for reading the Bible and hopefully the Bible coming alive for you is that in doing that, you would see God for who he is. And that's going to be part of our um, exercise process. Okay? My mother was giving me a Bible the old King James and amplified side by side in the whole Bible, page for page. Yeah. You can see what you mean about the flowery stuff. King James, whole page. Yeah. King James, whole page. Mm. <laughs> there are a lot more words.
foods and the amplified, but Jan, you're not. You like the amplified? Not. Yeah. 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 One of the things, if I could, if I could, oh, sorry, Jan. The thing about amplified is that it extends the word. It extends the word. Yeah. In English, we say so the Amplified fills in the definition a bit more for you. Yeah, great, great. I would agree. That's exactly what I'd say. If I could just move through those five points on the front page. We've done the first one, the pictures on the whiteboard. The second thing that may or may not be helpful for you is to actually consider when you're reading who is writing this and why are they writing it. I just said to you that I read the book of Romans in the last... Um, week or so, and what I did is I made sure that I paused, just because I felt like it, to read an introduction to Romans from a reference book, and again you can find these on the internet, I know that Paul, Paul wrote the book of Romans, and I know because it's Romans that I wrote, he wrote it to the Romans, but why did he write that? And so you go looking for it and you understand that he was trying to convey the grace of the message of Jesus in a way where they would understand that God had always had a plan that what was the promise to the Jews would become a promise extended to all and that at the end God would bring the Jews back into reconciliation with himself. And so when you understand that, you start to see why he's pointing to the faith of Abraham and then drawing in the connection to Jesus and then understanding that we live in the life of the Spirit and then from that we live as a body of Jesus Christ. You know, there's connection to that and you can see it's almost like a, a teaching that you could embrace when you read the whole book instead of just grabbing some verses out of a chapter. Right, so you're kind of getting the, the overall perspective of the book. You know, if you go to the book of Daniel, a very, very complicated book in the Old Testament, very prophetic, and, and a lot of it, well, sort of the end of it relating to end times, you can get yourself really, really messed up if you're just looking for encouragement. <laughs> but you've got to know that. I'm not saying don't read Daniel, I'm saying don't read it for encouragement. But it's really good to read Daniel. Alright, so I understand the author, the audience, and what the purpose of the book is. I've already covered point number three. The point being there is read for relationship, not just revelation. And I say this often, in your devotional time, whether it's daily, weekly, or monthly, you should have devotional time. And the idea is that as you read, don't always try and learn something. Sometimes it's just a way to hang out with God. And you might read three or four psalms and then you might read... I've got a friend who, he reads the proverb that relates to the day of the month. So today he would have read Proverbs 21. You know, And, and he's doing that, but he's doing it just to hang out with God. Because the word of God is God himself in written form to us. So what I'm trying to do is take the pressure off you, even though we're going to study tonight, don't always think every time you read you have to learn something. Just treat it as a hanging out with God time. Okay? Point number four, regular commitment and genuine desire will lead to a greater understanding. If at first it seems dry, keep going. If next you find it's hard work, keep going. Discipline will grow and over time you will get this new maturity in receiving through the Word of God. It is, it is kind of like weight loss or exercise, you just have to grind it out. 
but the good fruit comes from it. Alright? Please don't pick up your Bible tomorrow for the first time in a month and expect to get blinding flashes of light in your bedroom or lounge and, and an angel visiting and you suddenly seeing the original text in a new light. It's just not going to work like that. But, but, sorry. You'll want your money back. Okay. Um, but what I can say is if you are willing to become faithful and diligent in spending time with God and His Word, I can promise you, money back guarantee promise that He's going to turn up. It might be next week, it might be next month. When I started this as a discipline because Nick Klinkerberg preached on it for so long, I suddenly thought oh, I should listen to the guy. And I sat in, a, in our family room at six every morning and for the first month it was hard work. And then I started to see things. And it flowed from there. Okay, so I'm just promising you, hard work pays off. And finally, when your mind is quiet, you will hear the Holy Spirit. One of the dangers in reading the Bible on your tablet is notifications turn up. Or if you have your phone next to you when you read your Bible, it's easy to get distracted. A quiet time needs to be quiet. And part of your sacrifice... And making this an act of worship might be to turn off notifications or put your device in a different room. But, but, but I think it's that, that consecration. Okay, um, You can choose what God's saying to you in that moment. Um, may he reveal himself to you. Okay, let's turn the page. What I want to do is I want to work through Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, and just a single verse. And for the purpose of the exercise, I've taken the liberty of breaking it up into bite-sized pieces. Now you can do it word by word if you want, you can do it sentence by sentence, or you can do what happens here and you can do each thought at a time. Um, Pastor Ray Pickett from Hamilton, he recently, or quite a few years ago now when I was there, um, he taught on how he studies the Bible, and he does it different ways. He says, some days I'll look at each word. And other days he says, I only read one verse and I just read it for the whole week, every day. I just meditate on it. And, and so I'm not saying there's only one way to do this. For the purpose of tonight, what I've chosen to do is to bite, put it into these white-sized pieces and then we're going to fill in the columns as we go. And this is just me trying to give you, not the formula, but some different ways that you can feed off the text and hopefully the Bible comes alive. So what... We'll do is we'll fill in we'll fill in this um, this table for Ephesians chapter one, and um, I've got the answers on my page. Well, I've got my thoughts on the page, so I'll share them with you and we'll discuss them. And then what's going to happen is we'll have a five minute refreshment break, stretch our legs, refresh your cup of tea, and then in your groups you're actually going to do verse eighteen together, and we'll we'll do it um, in in small pieces and report back. So let's look. Everyone okay? Everyone got a pen? Everyone ready to go? I pray. First box. Interestingly, um, the Amplified Bible says, Paul writes, I always pray. So it's just a slight difference. The other thing that I would say is really important in verse beginning of verse 17 is you've got to also think about verse 16 to see why he's doing what he's doing. 
So why is he praying? Yeah, so that so 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 therefore if you look at verse 16, Paul says, I haven't stopped thanking God for you. I pray constantly. And then verse 17 starts. Some Bibles have positioned the sentences or the the verse starts um, for Paul to have a pattern. Verse 17 starts, I pray. Verse 18 starts, I pray. Verse 19 starts, I pray. And I, I say in a different part, look for patterns in the Bible. Because patterns are often clues that God's trying to emphasize something. So I pray, I pray, I pray. It's why I chose these three verses. So with regards to your, your boxes, if you put in other translations, you might write that the Amplified says, I always pray. If you have a translation. Um, Zelda, what translation are you? So, so what translation is this, what you've written? Uh, this, on the left-hand side is the NLT. So you could write that at the top. Good question. Great question. You've got NIV? Is that what it says? Is that how, what it says yeah. for verse 17? Yeah. Wow. What have you got in your book? No, 17 what, starts with that. What translation is it? That, uh, New King, King James. James. New King James. That's the God. Yeah, so if, you've, if your verse starts at halfway in a sentence, that's why I say look at the previous one to get context. But even going back to the previous one, it changes the context. Starts in 15. I went back. Yeah. So this is this is not a science. As I joked, these are the answers. This is not true, because you can interpret it however you process it. If I could give for you what the original language is word for word, the original language is this. Thoughts directed toward God. That's what the original word means. Paul is is saying, I'm having thoughts about you directed towards God. There are Bibles that um, we have here if you need one. Okay, let's keep moving. One of the things that one of the things that I wanted to uh, these last two um, columns are what I I really wanted to be the emphasis for tonight. So it's important that we understand the Bible, but for what purpose? And tonight, what I was wanting you to do is to read the text, but then have some thoughts about what that means. But more importantly, for the Scripture to point you. To God. So here's what I thought when I was meditating through these verses. I had these two thoughts for personal thoughts. One, my leaders always pray for me. If you read, now I know this because I know Paul the Apostle. If you read every one of his letters, it is, it is overwhelmingly clear that he prayed for all the churches all the time. You read the beginning of every letter, he says, 
It's a pattern for Paul. Dear Colossians, I constantly remember you and pray for you in my prayers that you would know the love extravagant of Jesus Christ our Lord and Saviour who, who raised... You know, I'm not quoting, but I'm saying he always starts like that. And then you read the letter to um, the Corinthian church or the second letter to them, and he says, I remember you fondly and I always pray... You, know, you read any letter Paul writes, it always starts like that. So that's why I had this thought. My leaders always pray for me. The second thought I had that reminds me, I should pray for those who are in my circle. So whether it's your family, whether it's your workmates, whether it's your netball team, what Paul's modelling to me is that prayer for others is a discipline I should adopt. Now I got all of that just out of those two words, I pray. See what happens when you spend time thinking about it. Now, if you do that, you're going to get something different. And guess what? Verse 18 starts with the same two words. Okay. Finally, on this row, you can see this could take us a week to get through the first verse. How to see God, here's what I wrote. God's thoughts are always toward us. God's thoughts are always toward us. And the reason I wrote that is because the original language of Paul is that he was directing his thoughts towards God, expecting to receive. Let's do the second line. I'm going to move relatively quickly because there are ten lines. In the first verse. Okay? But don't be shy to ask for clarification or to ask questions. Second line, asking God. Let me tell you, I didn't put a thing in the first box because the other translations were all about the same. There was no difference. There was nothing obvious for me to think about whether it was word for word translation, thought for thought, or paraphrase. Paul was praying and he was asking God, so I didn't fill it in. Second, second box, original language, there was nothing notable in that that I would need to interpret. So I also left it blank. But here's what I wrote in my third box, under personal thoughts. Our prayers are received by God. Paul says, I'm praying for you and I'm asking God. Well, it's nice to know that our prayers are received by God. And when I reflected on that, how should I see God, what I decided to write down was, God wants to be involved in my life. And you know what? There's going to be a day in your journey where it's going to encourage you to know that God wants to be involved in your life. Because you don't feel like that every single day. Let me show you something different in the third line. The third line says that Paul is asking God and then says that God is the glorious Father. Um, The New American Standard and the Passion and the Amplified all write that differently. They say, the Father of glory. 
And the King James, uh, Louis says the King James says that, Father of glory. So when you look up the definition of the, that um, glorious or Father of glory, you get a list of words. Majesty. Magnificence. Preeminence. Absolute perfection as it relates or talks about the deity being God. So what I'm showing you here is that when Paul writes about God, Paul has this bursting out of like personal understanding that God is full of majesty, magnificence, preeminence, and is absolutely perfect as God. And sometimes I think we should just sit on that for a week. I think that also suggests that he is the create, like the creator is suggested in that as well. Yeah, great. So he's the creator. Now we're adding, so we're not saying that's the traditional definition, but we're starting to explore what that might mean to us. See, I would add after Louise said that, I would say there's none above him. So what we're starting to do is fully appreciate who we're praying to, who's hearing our prayers, and now who it is that wants to be involved in our lives. Does that make you feel kind of a little bit appreciated that he who is majestic, magnificent, preeminent, and absolute perfection wants to be involved in your life every day? Not in the text, eh? Okay, let's do the next line. Line number four of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, so we're praying, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Can we just skip three options? No. Oh, sorry. Personal thoughts. Good, good observation. The personal thoughts. Here's what I wrote. The I put God is beyond comprehension. God is magnificent. And then how to see God, there is only one way to look at God, and that is with awe and wonder and praise. When you understand he's magnificent, majestic, preeminent, absolutely perfective, he's the creator of all things, and he's, there's none above him, there is only one suitable response for us, and that is a posture of praise, adoration and worship. But this might explain why we would do that. Now we can go to the next line. So, our Lord Jesus Christ. Other translations, I don't think, had anything to add to that. I don't know what you have in front of you. But when I compared... Um, the Amplified, the NASB. Like here, here it says, the glorious Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. Here it says, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of the Lord. Yeah, so it's just... He's the God of Jesus Christ. Yeah. The Father of the Lord. So it's quite, quite a lot different to this. Mm. Interesting, eh? 
When I looked into the phrase, the Lord Jesus Christ, there was not really a lot of comparison that made different, but what was really clear in looking at the meaning of the words was that when the Bible says Jesus, or when the Bible says Jesus Christ, or when the Bible says our Lord Jesus Christ, because that's the way Paul wrote, the Jews were very, very clear, and Paul was a Jew writing this, that Jesus meant the promised Messiah. And that's a really key revelation for us to have inside. That Jesus is not just the guy who came and we're going to remember him at Easter. He's not just the one who is a shepherd that gathers the people and feeds the, the multitudes. The Jews had this absolute revelation that Jesus was the Messiah, the promised Saviour that God had been promising for all time, all of man time, man's kind. So, so it's really just an unpacking of the word what Christ means. So, um, promised Messiah. Promise. So it has. This is the wide meaning. No, so, I'm saying does the original in the original language was the word Messiah used. No. Yeah. So they would they would call him Jesus Christ because that's his name. But the Jews understand that all of that demonstrates that Jesus is one, the promised Messiah. Two, that means he's the saviour of all mankind. On the Bible, that way, there's um, a complete Jewish, no, complete Jewish Bible version. Do you have to read it in Hebrew or? No, no. In this case, Greek, sorry, yeah. Yeah, It's in English. Okay, so. So you can find a Jewish Bible as as part of your options for study on Bible Gateway. Okay, let's keep moving, because this this can get deeper and deeper and deeper. So the final line on the first page, to give you, the Amplified says, may grant you, and the Passion says, impart to you, I-M-P-A-R-T, impart to you. Yeah, a lot of them said may give to you, yeah. And what does the passion say? Uh, impart to you. Oh, I just wrote down impart to you, I didn't. Have a look. Would impart to you. I pray that uh, Father of Glory, Lord Jesus Christ, would impart to you. Yeah. Okay, here's the word definition for give, because that was what we were looking at. It, it interestingly says it means give necessary things. Isn't that interesting? To give necessary things. And, and another definition which... Uh, so what often happens in word definitions is you get a couple of options which all depend on the context and that is what the translators argue about or debate in order to finalise the text that you read. So these are the options. But another definition for the word give is to give to one asking.
So if I was going to personalise that, what is my personal thought, what I wrote down is, well, whatever is being given to me is a personal gift from God. It's to bestow upon me the necessary things that I've been asking for. Now what that means is, I look now at God as generous. God is generous toward me. One of the things that, if I could just dive into a different subject for a second, one of the important things about the final two columns here, why do I want you to have personal thoughts, and why do I want you to take those thoughts to help you see God in the right way, is is, is explained in the following. Listen to this. I can read the text and I can say, wow, God is generous. God is abundant. God lavishes his gifts. And then not personalize it. And the risk is, I do that because I don't think I'm worthy of it. So why I purposely wrote this is, God is richly generous to me. So I want you to personalise what God is doing in the, through the text so that you understand he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Deborah, and Louise, and Jackie, and Dave, and everyone. Okay? Because otherwise you're at risk of pushing away his revelation for you as a child. Does that make sense? Okay. Okay, we're about to enter a contentious debate on the second page, so let's get straight into it. Okay, so so let me let me let me explain why this is a contentious debate. The text that you have in the box is copied from the New Living Translation, and it's, Paul is asking that God gives you the generous gift of what spiritual wisdom. However, the NASB, which is a word-for-word translation, and the Amplified, which is a word-for-word translation, say spirit of wisdom. Not spiritual wisdom, but the spirit of wisdom. The Passion capitalizes the word spirit. And the NIV capitalizes the word spirit. Meaning, it's actually saying Holy Spirit, being God. This is where it can get contentious, because there's a big difference between receiving spiritual wisdom as an idea, or receiving a spirit of wisdom, as in the NASB, or as receiving from the NIV, the spirit of wisdom being Holy Spirit, like, well, there's a big difference between those three. In the NIV, on the, um, on the study notes, like little um, Asterisk, yep. inputs, it actually says, or a spirit. Yeah. So, like, it's, yeah. so this is where the text is not, or let's just say this, the text is absolute, our understanding of the text is not absolute. 
And, and so what, in, in looking into the original language of this, and I, I did try and study it so that I could talk about it, what the, what the translators generally believe is that it's when God's Spirit is involved in our lives, wisdom flows. So they're not actually tagging that it has to be the Spirit of. That's not really, the English language hasn't caught what the, they believe Paul meant. And, and what they're saying is when the Holy Spirit, who is God, is in your life, His character becomes your character. Does that make sense? So we are adopted by God, we have a new birth, and part of who He is becomes our nature. When we are surrendered. When we are surrendered, correct. So, so what I was trying to highlight there is that there are three different ways you could possibly read that, depending on the Bible you had in front of you. And if you didn't pause, you could go, huh, I've got the spirit of wisdom. I'm wise. I know all things. I have knowledge of all things. Quote someone. Don't hurt me. I didn't say that. Okay. Here's what I thought about that when I read it. And I, and I, and I had more time than you've got so um, in this moment. But here's what I thought. God is giving his character to me to help me. Why do we need wisdom? Because we often don't know what to do. James says if you lack wisdom, ask for it and God will give it to you. So I thought, well, God's giving me his character in order that it would help me. Wisdom is practical. So, you know... God, should I buy this pair of shoes or that pair of shoes? Please grant me wisdom. (laughs) However, if I could add to that, wisdom, catch this, wisdom refers to the divine nature of God. That's the key, and it's not about shoes. It's about how to live as his representation. So what I what I what I ended up with on that line with how to see God is this. And and understand that this is not just from this verse, but it's from the fact that I have been walking in relationship with him and his word. I can now say, I am made in the image of God to be a representation of God, and I am equipped with some of his attributes. Like if you just meditated on that one line or that one phrase and you looked at the meaning and you thought about your journey to get to this point and and you thought about others that you'd watched and you perhaps talked to a friend about it, you might end up by going, well I look at God now and understand that well he's my father and that means he wants me to be like him and he's giving me who he is to make that easier. That, That is a fantastic revelation to come out of a meditation time of prayer or study. And I, I don't think, like, please correct me if, if you feel like I'm being too elaborate in my interpretation. But again, this is, I'm sharing what I got when I studied it, and I'm hoping to demonstrate how you might do that as well. Insight, next line, insight. NASB and the Amplified actually use the word revelation. 
a spirit of wisdom and revelation. The passion capitalizes the word spirit. But the definition, when you look at the dictionary, says the disclosure, revelation is the disclosure of truth. The disclosure in the original language, the word revelation or insight, means the disclosure of truth. So if you connect the previous line to this line, because of God wanting me to be his child, he's giving me the gift that allows me to understand his truth through insight or revelation, whatever word you use in the English language. So what I got out of that, when I thought about it, I thought, you know what? God actually wants me to understand who he is. God does not want to be distant. God does not want to be a stranger. God wants to be a father who is closely connected to his spiritual children. And he gifts He gifts us the spirit of revelation or the the spiritual insight so that we can actually understand who he is. In the King James, it says, the Father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Then it goes on, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, this is in verse 18, that you may know what the hope of his calling. Yeah, that carries on over here. Oh, is that Am I jumping? Yeah. Lots more boxes to go before we get to that. I'm starting in verse 18 here. Yeah? No, we're in verse 17. Oh, double sided, Gary. Someone look after Gary. Yeah, he's been quite patient for the last 15 minutes. Okay, so the next phrase, so that. Now, understanding the language, so that, understanding English, you know that this is just a connecting phrase. However, if you were to read the Amplified Bible, it has what what is common in the Amplified is bracketed, extra text, which is what Jan was talking about. It elaborates. And I often find that that's interesting to read. So let me give it to you. Um, The Spirit of Revelation, open brackets, that gives you a deep and personal and intimate insight. That's what it adds. So you can look up the Amplified on your phone or when you get home. Um, It gives you a deep and personal and intimate insight. Now, you could just gloss over that. And that's not a problem. But for the purpose of the exercise, I didn't. And I sat there and I'm like, huh, what does that mean? Why am I thinking about this? And what it says to me is there's a process, a journey that has an outcome. We are not instantly transformed on our connection with God into perfect beings. And so the revelation of who God is, is a journey that everyone should go on. So the journey that Paul wants us to go on is the next line, so that you might grow. 
When I, when I looked at the different translations, I didn't find much difference here. There was nothing earth-shattering for me to compare, so I left the box blank. When I looked at the original language, there wasn't a lot. I mean, grow means to grow. So I was like, oh, quite simple. I think I'm in tune there. English has helped me out. And then I thought, well, let me think about that. And in doing so, I, I did what Ashley referred to, and I looked at some of the study notes in the different translations. They have little letters, and you click on it, and it brings up a definition. And here's what, here's what one commentator says. So a commentator is someone who explains their thoughts about after their study. And this is what the person said. The author, who is Paul, his, his prayer... This is what the verse is, is a prayer. Is that your knowledge of God would not just stay static, but it would increase. So this is this idea that we would certainly believe in, I think, generally with the DNA of our church, is that, that Paul wanted, as because he believed it's what God wanted, he wanted us to grow as disciples, to to mature, to and this is why you know I'm so grateful to have you guys in this room with us as a part of our church because we've got people who want to grow, to be mature in their understanding of God and life. So Paul has um, um, got this intentional um, prayer that we would recognise we don't just, like I often say in church, a little bit cheeky, but we don't just get the bus ticket to heaven and say, well I'm done, I'm saved. You know, it's not like that. We, we get on we get on this journey of maturity with him and that was what Paul's writing was about. And, and one translation says um, that you would have a growing knowledge of him. And so it's connecting those two verses, the next two sorry, the next two boxes. So that you may know him better. So you'd know him better. Yeah. yeah, so that implies progress though, doesn't it? So um, Zelda says the NIV says so that you'd know him better. And, and that's the NIV. And so the, the thing is there, well that's a progressing relationship. And you know, as you would understand with friends or family or um, acquaintances, the more time you spend with them, the better you get to know them. Okay, let's do the last two boxes. And then we've reached halfway. So you might grow in your knowledge. The reason I broke it up this way is because if you look at the next box, the, the um, NASB and the Amplified, both of which are word-for-word translations, say true knowledge. True knowledge. So not just in your knowledge, but in true knowledge. And, and the definition, next box along, means precise or correct knowledge. So what... I'm going to connect a few dots here. Uh, but before I do that, let me just go back to other translations. The NET, the New English Translation, says growing knowledge, which I think, um, Zelda, that's what I know you said better. So growing knowledge... Um, was the NET version. But here's my thought. Here's my thought. If, if the word definition is that we would have a true knowledge of God, that's Paul's prayer, 
then you think about this logically. If there is a true, and he desires you to have a true knowledge, there's got to be a possibility that you'd have a, an untrue knowledge. So there's a caution. Don't be deceived. And, and you've heard me say this in church and in different uh, contexts, but let us not run our lives on what I call little t truth, which is something that's true to us, but let's run our lives on capital T truth, which is based on what the Bible says. And your relationship with God is defined by your view of God, which might not always be true. So Paul's prayer for you, Paul's prayer for me, Paul's prayer for all believers is that they would grow in true or precise or correct knowledge of who God is. And it's specifically relating to divine things. So it's not about mathematics or science. It's not about history. It's true, accurate, precise knowledge of divine things, of of the nature of God. Just for the purpose of expounding uh, that, thanks to the Amplified Version, how to see God, here's what I wrote. The Amplified Bible says, and it adds, so you can copy it out of the, off the screen, the Amplified says in brackets, for we know the Father through the Son. And what I loved about that little addition was it was a reminder that Jesus said to us in John 14, I am the way. I am the truth and the life, but I am the only way. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. And it's just a great reminder that if we want true knowledge, we come to the Father through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. And the last box, if you turn the page, or on your page, no you don't need to turn, of God, sorry, you are right, I've got a different... So in the last box of God, all I really got out of that was what I just shared with you is that the way we know God is through Jesus Christ. So it's kind of a repeat of the previous line. There was nothing to add from translations. There was nothing to add by looking at the original language. The thought or how I see God is that I come to God through Jesus Christ. Anyone feel like they just ran a marathon? Okay, stand up, stretch, wiggle your bits, grab a cup of tea if you need it. And then what we're going to do is we're going to do verse 18 in our tables.